Unnamed in Lights, it's a science special with Rachel Rayner. The Sydney-based performer is a science communicator, content developer, writer and presenter who runs workshops and finds the humour in fun facts about the world. She has contributed to projects in both Vietnam and the USA. Her one-woman show about quantum mechanics, A Flying Photon, won the Adelaide Fringe Festival's Science at the Fringe Award this year. This episode features a talented artist who is a little out of the box because she offers a different spin on performance, even taking inspiration from physical theatre and poetry during her educational shows. She tells the podcast about the rise of science comedy and how her career has taken her to South Africa, but her next stop is regional Victoria. Find out more with Rachel Rayner, the science explainer. Thanks, Rachel, for coming on the show. How would you sum up your brand, Rainer Explainer, and what's your job title exactly? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, well, I mean, I think it's interesting. The Rainer Explainer kind of grew out of wanting to be creative and artistic, um, but with scientific content. Uh, so I'd always loved the Adelaide Fringe. I'd been so inspired by all the amazing artwork and creativity and theatre and performances that were happening there. And I just wanted to do something kind of similar. But, um, you know, the thing that I can talk about, the thing that I love sharing, the stories that I love telling are those that are based in science, in the science realm and science research. So I suppose, uh, yeah, Rachel Rayner, Science Explainer is is that fusion of arts and sciences and just explaining the really cool stuff that's happening in our world, in our universe, in creative ways and trying to find new creative ways to tell those stories. My job title, so uh, I do the Rachel Rayner Science Explainer, I would like to say half the time, it's not half the time yet, some of the time, and the rest of the time I'm the communications advisor for the Australian Telescope National Facility at CSIRO. Tell us a bit about your background, because it's a little different from the usual guests we have on this show. You've touched on the science. So what did you study? Yes, so my undergraduate degree was a Bachelor of Liberal Studies at the University of Sydney. And what that really was was, you know, four more years of year 12, really, where you get to pick all your subjects that you want to do. But there are a few um, uh, outlines in that. So it had to be a science major. There had to be an arts major. You had to do maths for two years, English for two years, and a language. So with that studies, I did a um, degree in physics and art history and theory as my two majors. And then the maths, English, I did French, and I had a few extra credits here and there. So I did a lot of poetry subjects um, after I'd done the compulsory two years of English, and uh, then some life drawing and things too. So it was a real mix of a university degree. And then having no idea really what to do with that, uh, I saw um, a position, oh, I saw a, um, a degree advertised in Canberra. So it was uh, with uh, Australian National University. It was a graduate diploma in science communication, now a master's course, uh, which is the Questacon Science Circus. So that's a degree in science communication where you work very closely with Questacon, developing things like shows and workshops and exhibitions and just a whole lot of really creative things to tell those science stories. So after my studies, I was working with Questacon uh, for four years doing science shows and science workshops around the country. Um, and then I went on to Bendigo and I worked at the Bendigo Discovery Science Centre. And that was great. It's such a great space there, um, so connected to its community. We could really 
play around with science as a topic and what's interesting and how can we capture different audiences and you know how do we make science relevant and fun to everybody and that was a great experience and um, yeah then I went off to South Africa. And do you find that you're one of the few in this area nationally because I know you combine even the comedy genre with science and that that sounds quite niche and from what you're describing you've got the mathematical side of the brain and, and but also the creativity flowing all at once so is that quite unique in your mind oh, I don't think so um oh I'm definitely not going to promote my math skills anywhere um, <laughs> the uh no I don't think so there is a rise of science comedy and it has been around for a little bit um like a, you know quite a few years I think and the course that I did the science communication course is one of the longest running science communication courses in the world so it was started um I was the I was the 26th year of that course uh, and then so a lot of those people have gone off and they've done you know shows and there's always a bit of a comedy bent I know if anyone's seen a science show for school kids there there's a lot of humor in that and we really try and and find the, the comedy and what we're talking about so I don't think it's a new genre per se um, I like to think I'm doing something a bit new in the way I'm presenting that content um, you know my show has a lot of physical theater in it um it's it's i would love it to be a little bit more stand-up comedy but it's not really it's more that i'm fun rather than than funny but there of course are a few jokes in there i, I have i've got a whole lot of really daggy jokes that make people groan and cringe that i just love so much <laughs> so they come out on many occasions but yeah there are many artists around the country doing this um alanti um Sorry, Atlanta Cooley is one in Adelaide, um, sorry, one in Melbourne, who's really good. Um, a colleague of mine, uh, Tom Lang, he used to do a lot of comedy shows, uh, you know, about uh, five or six years ago now. Um, Clark Gormley up in Newcastle. And yeah, we're just around the place, really. When you're combining the comedy with science teaching, I suppose you could call it, how does that make the learning experience a little bit different or change it for the audience? How do they respond? Yeah, I think for me it's about showing that these topics that, you know, get stereotyped as being scary and difficult, it's about showing that, you know, we can have a laugh about them and we can really enjoy them in, in ways we probably didn't expect. I find the audience really, really captures onto these things, um, these ideas, and I think the humour really helps uh, I know I had someone tell me that the next day after the show, they were looking at the world in a slightly different way, which which is what I was aiming for, I think, was just kind of to go out in the world after one of my shows and be like, oh, wow, there's all these photons that are bouncing around all over the place. And, you know, and, and that, that breaking down the barriers we might have to certain topics, you know, humour is always a way to do that. Um, you know, that's, that's the case for lots of things. Yes, you're making science more accessible for people. And I know you use scientific terms, obviously, in your shows, but also compare that to everyday language and how the words are thrown around but maybe not quite right. Did you want to explain a bit of how you work that into the content? Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, so, I, and I think this comes down to I do a lot of poetry and um, very involved in the poetry networks in Australia, and there are so many science poets in Australia it's really just a huge growing topic of amazing talent. And what science and poetry both do really well is play around with words and language. Science is always making up new words to describe the things we're seeing, 
uh, the things we're collecting. And those, uh, those scientific words, though, they do have a meaning and they have a very specific meaning. And uh, in the definition that uh, myself and a colleague, uh, Michael Leach, put together on science poetry, one of the big things we said is that to be a science poem, it must be using the scientific terms correctly. Um, so there are words like uh, radiation, um, chemicals, um, polarization, um, work, energy, that all have different meanings in a scientific concept, con uh, t scientific situation than they do in an everyday situation. So uh, like radiation, um, I think when a lot of people hear that word, they go, oh, that's a scary, frightening thing. When really radiation just means energy traveling through space. So, um, yeah, that's that's all that is. So scientists will use radiation in very strange ways and that for a normal normal person, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> for people who don't use the scientific language all the time, when a scientist is saying, oh, yeah, there's this radiation here and this radiation there, it might sound a bit scary, but that's not um, what's, what's happening uh, anyway. Of course. And what came first for you then? Was it the poetry or the, I know you mentioned the inspiration from theatre or comedy, just in terms of performing arts? What, mm, what did came first? I think the poetry, I've always been fascinated with poetry. As a kid, I used to, you know, read poems all the time and I was always trying to write poems. Gosh, they're awful. But you know what? You just keep working at it and you just keep moving forward. So, um, yeah, that was... Uh, the poetry was first and I think just that love of language that love of words and, and using words was um, just something that drove me to, to keep wanting to communicate and tell stories and find different avenues to do that this podcast also covers artists working overseas so what exactly have you done in South Africa yeah, so I went over there as an Australian volunteer for international development now the Australian volunteer program uh, I went over as a science communicator to work with the South African Agency for Science and Technology Advancement. So they're the body that runs their version of National Science Week. So we, of course, have um, our version of National Science Week and they've got theirs. And so it was just a really nice space to kind of share ideas, look at how each country is, is doing science communication, what do our audiences have in common, uh, what's different, what are the challenges in each. And... It was just really fascinating. And we did it we, uh, with my colleagues. We went out on the road and we did a few science shows here and there to different groups. And, uh, yeah, it was such a great learning experience for me. And uh, I, I hope I, um, you know, supported the organisations I was working with. I'm still in touch with them. We had a poetry session uh, not so long ago. And uh, I'm working with their scientists um, over there for radio astronomy stuff that's happening around the world so there's all these wonderful connections uh, that keep continuing and our world is such a such a globalized well I mean <laughs> it's been a few rough patches the past couple of years but um you know it's such a connected world that it's really nice to have had the chance to go over and and work with these people these people these great science communicators over there closely and then bring ideas back here as, as well as bring my ideas over there yes no doubt you would have had some online audiences some more of a global share in the past couple of years and and how did you find the south african audiences react compared to audience back home um that's a good question uh i think 
what I really love is the way lang oh see this is me coming back to language. The children are the same children get excited about very similar things all over the place. It's um, how our languages enable us to express that excitement is always a really lovely thing. So like here like in English, um, here the kids if you do a you know, a fun demonstration, um, the children are gonna go, Whoa, wow and over there it's yo, yo <laughs> I love it. It's great. Uh yeah, but um very similar very similar excitement and you can do such wonderful science demonstrations with very basic materials and they you know they're just as appreciated here and, and over in South Africa too so one of my favorite is a Mobius strip you take a piece of paper and you put one twist in it stick it together and then you can cut it in half in different ways to show these really weird uh phenomena that comes from the topology of a, of a Mobius strip. And do you prefer adult audiences or children to perform in front of? Uh, well, these days, my new shows, Rachel Rain, a science explainer, she's really that, uh, I suppose that business, that character is really about connecting with adult audiences. And I think um, the, the further I got in my career, the more I noticed that we had all this content for science content for kids, um, for school kids, uh, for families. There was lots of that um, targeted to students. And there just seemed to be this gap for me of like, just... I know as me as a cur constantly curious individual it's like oh, I would love to go to these science shows and just have it at my level um in a way I can engage with it uh you know at my at my point of life so the Rachel Rainer science explainer shows are really about that adult audience those university leavers that just you know want to keep learning um don't know where to go and uh yeah just something fun and exciting that's educational and a bit random that's you know it's not for children we can make jokes at the expense of politicians you know maybe I can say some slightly ruder things um, though after after years of doing shows for children I really can't swear on stage it'll just it'll never happen so um, <laughs> just feels wrong does it that, it does I tried it once at Adelaide Fringe this year and I was like nope never again <laughs> um, yeah so my shows are you know, children can sit through them, but they're not designed for children. I really have that, that curious adult in mind that just wants to keep learning about the world. How do you maintain such high energy in your shows? I've watched some of your videos where it looked like it was an online gig and you didn't have that audience reaction straight away coming back at you to feed <laughs> off. So is that quite difficult to do at times? Yeah, it is. And I think um, anyone who does regularly watch online things uh just putting a couple of comments in the chat box here and there really helps so there was one that I did and I did have the chat box open so though I was you know um moving around and and uh performing too much to read the chat box I could see you know movement there and that really that really helps give that little bit of energy I think it's just about with any performer um like they'll know it's about playing with the medium and just being aware of what's going to happen and just getting used to that silence when you do a joke and there's, uh, there's no response at the other end um, and just but still knowing just to give that pause so people can laugh and they're not going to miss the next line and just having faith in yourself. It is definitely a lot harder without the audience. Um, with an audience there, you know, they bring the energy that's, that really helps you move along and also just being sporadic and 
improvising a little bit with the content. So, you, you know, if an audience is really getting into a particular topic, then you can spend a little bit more time on that, um, you know, maybe throw in some extra fun, quirky facts, uh, which you don't get to do when it's a, when it's a virtual performance. Um, so you just got to make sure that that content, you know, that content is right for the audience. So, um, you know, I do a lot of work talking to the MCs um, or the hosts before such virtual events to really know who is the audience, who signed in, um, how many people do we have, uh, just so I can kind of build that image in my head of, of who this audience is and, and tailor the material for them. Well, that probably brings us to your upcoming show at Horsham in regional Victoria. So tell us what people can expect from that yeah, so in Horsham, I'm going to be bringing my uh, my winning <laughs> my award-winning science show. Oh, that's so exciting to say! Yes, congrats on uh, your Adelaide Fringe <laughs> Award. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so I'll be bringing my award-winning show, a flying photon, to Horsham. It's all for the Art is Fundamental uh, Festival. So Art is Fundamental, it's part of their Art is Festival. Last year was Art is Unexpected and this year is Art is Fundamental and uh, with a theme of Earth. So they've got a full program of really wonderful things. I'll be going in to do workshops throughout the week uh, and then on the Wednesday night I'll be performing a flying photon uh, and just how, you know, we're interacting with photons here on Earth. Well, that's a great theme to finish up on, that Art's Fundamental, particularly over the past few years where a lot of artists haven't been able to showcase their talents so a great message yeah it is and I think it's nice that that art's coming back you know in a big way the live performances are coming back um you know Adelaide Fringe was was really great um it's difficult it's still difficult um you know there's we've got to build that energy and momentum that I think I know I took for granted before everything shut down um, you know, that would always be there. So um, it's great. You know, everyone's supporting the arts. We we really recognise how important it is. And, um, yeah, I think there's exciting times ahead. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's great to see the podcast growing and it means a lot that you are listening and downloading. Catch you next time. This is Unnamed in Lights.